0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us.
1: Good to be together. Uh, Lakeisha is really sick, so pray for Lakeisha. And uh, so Jason is being a good new husband and staying home, taking care of her. Uh, So uh, he was supposed to lead the songs today, so I'm kind of doing double duty here. So now here I am to preach. But, uh, amen. Uh, wasn't trying to make it the Brian Craig show today, or the Craig's show with my parents here, but anyways, uh, if you're visiting with us, we're really glad that you're here today, and we're, uh, we just started a new series called How to Change the World, uh, No Small Feet, uh, and a ra- rather humbling prospect to even talk about, as I'll talk about in a minute, but um, Mark started it off uh, last week and did a great job. If you want to catch up with where we are, uh, if you jot down our website, it's southbaychurch.us. You can go to it on your phone or on your computer. We've just upgraded our whole website, if you haven't seen it yet. So uh, the main reason for the upgrade, Sherwin did a great job with the original design about uh, five years ago, but so many people access uh, websites through their phones now and not through computers anymore, and we realized our our website needed to be really phone-friendly. So we've designed it for the purpose of you being able to use it on your phone really well. So... Go to southbaychurch.us on your phone, and you can click on sermons or on media, uh, and you'll find all our past, uh, you'll find the lesson from last week. You can also get the last series we did, which a lot of people really liked, uh, got a lot out of, called Elephant in the Room, which was talking about topics that the ministers don't want to talk about, but you wish we would talk about, and uh, so we kind of went there with all those hot topics uh, with our last series, so those are all there as well, if you want to kind of get caught up with where we are. So this idea of, of uh, how to change the world is really about listening to God and, and what is God's message for the world. Uh, I, saw some, uh, I saw a movie with some brothers on, on Tuesday night called The Arrival. Anybody seen that yet? It's an alien movie. I won't spoil anything. It's not like a high-action, Independence Day-type alien movie. It's more one of those sort of thinking, uh, like interstellar, those types of movies, a little slower, more science or whatever. But I really liked it. But so much of the movie was about that they were trying so hard to understand what are these aliens trying to say? And this one woman, the, the main character, she is, a, she is an, a language expert. And so she was trying to interpret what the aliens were trying to say. And so she had her, you know, this entire office was covered with all these uh, drawings of, of, of some of their imagery and trying to figure out what are they trying to say? And um, it just made me think about the fact that the being, not just an alien From outer space but the being who made all of space the being who created all of space has been trying to communicate to us and how anxious are we how determined are we to hear what he has to say to us it's amazing how ho-hum people are about the word of god when it's like this is he created you we should want to hear from him and uh the, the bible says in in this verse uh hebrews Chapter 1, the very beginning of Hebrews, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So God has been trying to communicate us through, to us through history. He says, But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he'd provided purification for sins, he sat down at the righteous hand of the majesty in heaven. This is saying something very bold and something remarkable, that Jesus was God. That when you see this person, you are seeing God. And that's a hard thing to figure out. We could spend a whole series just trying to figure that out, and, and much, much ink has been spilled trying to understand the Trinity. And what does it mean that Jesus is both God and man? I'm not even going to try to explain that because I don't really understand it, but I know it's true because I know He rose from the dead. And 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 so many, hundreds and hundreds of people witnessed that, and and all of human history was changed by this one individual. Everybody will admit to that. Believer or non-believer, everybody knows this man changed the world. This man absolutely changed the world, this, this person, Jesus Christ. And yet, the interesting thing is, he never ran for public office. He never set up a government. He never built an army. He never picked up a weapon. As far as we know, he never even wrote down anything, other than drawing in the sand in that one cool story. Isn't that amazing? If you were going to change the world, I mean, you think, okay, I've got to get a website, i got to get, uh, you know, I've got to get all these people, I got to get a lot of followers on Instagram, whatever you'd be thinking. Jesus changed the world by changing a few. And Jesus saw that the way to change the world is one by one and soul by soul, one person at a time. That's the genius of his plan, that he would reach the many by reaching the few. So what this series is, is is looking at that plan. How did Jesus go about changing the world? What does that mean for us? Because we all want to hear from God. We all want to know what our place is in his story, don't we? We all want to know that we matter. We all want to know that our lives count for something. When we get to the end of our days, we all want to feel like I made a difference on this earth. Mm -hmm. The fact that I was here mattered. And God has a part for each one of us to play in changing the world. Uh, Last week, Mark talked about the fact that men were his method that Jesus was going to change the world through changing men. And we're using uh, some of these techniques or some of these ideas from a book called Master Plan of Evangelism. And uh, it's a great old book. I read it as a young Christian many years ago. And uh, we bought a bunch of copies of them. They're available for you for $5 uh, somewhere out there. I'm not sure at the information table or something. But uh, if you want to pick those up for you know, 5 bucks and kind of read along with some of these ideas that we're sharing uh, master Plan of Evangelism, that didn't sound like an appealing title to the teens, so we called it How to Change the World. That sounds a little, a little better. But that's what it's about, is how am I going to... Evangelism, uh, it, you know, if you notice, evangelism has the word angel in it. It means to be a representation of God to the world, to, to be a messenger from God, to give the world God's message. That will, that's what we're, what we're talking about. And uh, the two things that Mark talked about last week were selection and association. Selection and association and and these are all kind of fancy words that we're using But we're explaining what they mean in our daily lives and what mark talked about is basically Jesus chose some men To be his friends and he spent time with them. That's what selection and association means He focused on these few men and he invested in them. That was his plan And he how does does that apply to us? It's that he wants the same for us he wants to spend time with us and he wants us to spend time with him. And he wants us to, to help other people to know Jesus because we know Jesus through each other, through the word of God, but really also through each other. And here, here's what I mean by that is, let's say, uh, well, we all, uh, we all lost a dear brother uh, last year, Scott Hachia, and a uh, dear part of our family for many, many years, dear to many of us. Each one of us has a different uh, relationship with him. Nobody knows him as well as Pat, his wife. But still, Pat probably doesn't know some things about him that maybe somebody else does, right? And she's probably still hearing stories, right, Pat, Uh, of things that she didn't know about him. So we all know different aspects of Scott. And so what's cool is when we get together and we share memories of Scott, like his his memorial service was so inspiring just to hear all these memories about Scott, It's, it's like we all get to know him better. And that's the way it is with Jesus. We all have different experiences. We all have different ways Jesus has worked in our lives. And so together we know him better. That's the way it was in the first century. They, they shared the stories of Jesus. That's what our New Testament is, is these shared stories of Jesus that then became our Gospels. That we Now we hear the story. And we've all been impacted in, in different ways. And so if you're kind of new to this idea of who Jesus is, we're not going to tell you just go read this book or just go read the Bible on your own. We're going to say hang out with us. Because hanging out with us is how you'll get to know Jesus better. That's how you know Jesus is through hanging out with his followers. None of us are perfect. None of us are, have arrived, but we're striving to implement his teachings in our life. And that's how you kind of get to know him. We really believe he is the way to change the world. And, and Mark said that this idea has great weight. It, it, it has, uh, it's of great importance. Jesus said in, in, uh, in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. John fourteen eight. no one comes to the Father except through me. So not only did Jesus come to change the world, he is the only way to change the world. And so if we want to make a difference in our, in our world, which I think we all want to, it's going to be through Jesus Christ. Today we're talking about these two words, consecration and impartation. Those are probably two words that you maybe have never used before. Certainly don't use in everyday language. But we're going to talk about what they mean for us Uh, i'm going to say a word of prayer and then uh, we're going to kind of continue looking at these two ideas god thank you to be together today thank you for the amazing god that you are and the way that you love us and the way you've spoken to us through jesus i pray that uh, you would speak to all of us right now through the scriptures and through these these verses that were written down by his followers for us to to learn from and to obey and to to listen from you and your message to us god we love you we praise you we thank you And uh, we want to devote ourselves to you right now as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before we uh, talk about these two ideas, I want to back up a little bit and talk about, do we need to change the world? Uh, How how many people think the world needs to be changed? (laughs) Yeah, we all agree on that. Uh, You know, there is poverty, there is... uh, there's lack of fairness, there's disparity between the rich and poor, there's people that are hungry, uh, there are people who are marginalized and kept out of, of having opportunities in society. There's just so many ills with society. There's issues of morality. Uh, we believe the world needs to be changed, and so what is the way to change it is the question. Uh, you know, we all see that there's social injustice. We all see that there's... there's problems of the world, but what do we do to change it? How do we go about changing it uh, is, the, is the main question. And uh, the, the thing that's interesting is that nothing has had more impact than the Jesus movement of 2,000 years ago. And yet that came to the earth in a time that was so similar to today. The Roman Empire, I mean, this was a powerful, powerful nation. They conquered the known world at the time, and the Roman Empire existed for 500 years. Uh, and and they, they brought peace, they brought roads, they brought you know, a, a kind of level ground as far as being able to travel and all this stuff that set, it up, set up the world perfectly for evangelism back then in the first century. But it was not this society that was, you know, people were moral generally and they, you know, they loved God. and Not at all. It was a time of paganism. It was a time of many gods. You believe whatever you want to believe. There is no absolute truth. Uh, it was a time of great moral depravity. Uh, all kinds of sexual uh, sexuality was, was very uh, public, and I mean, even to the point that it was normal for businessmen to have a boy that was a sex slave. And I mean, it, it was a, it was a depraved uh, society in a lot of ways. People think, oh yeah, today is different. The Christianity is old news. When Christianity thrived the most was in a society much like today. And so, to me, that gives me hope that, okay, maybe God is doing something in our time. Maybe God is using uh, these modern tools of these modern Roman roads, you know, of, of the internet and of, of travel and just being able to get his message out in our time in a way that could really change the world. I want to show you a video that's kind of a, I, I saw this on 60 Minutes and it, it was a, it really kind of hit me because this is a video of a young 21 year old man who wanted to change the world. But the way he decided he would change it, uh, you know, you're going to react to it. But I think it has some implications for what we're talking about. So this was a 60 Minutes interview with a young man uh, that I saw last week. I want to show it to you. Part one and part two.
0: It is incredibly rare for someone in federal custody, much less a convicted terrorist, to do an on-camera interview. 21-year-old Abdi Rizak Warsami told Scott Pelley he became radicalized by watching YouTube videos of the infamous American-born cleric, Anwar Awalaki.
1: He explained how Islam was, you know, like my calling. It was almost like he was talking to you It made you feel like, like you're special, you know, and like you're
0: the chosen one. How much time did you spend watching these videos? I would just continuously watch them. al was killed by a CIA drone strike in Yemen in 2011, but his fiery anti-Western sermons are still easily found on YouTube. Pelly says the videos were especially alluring to the group of friends, all first-generation Americans torn between two cultures. They're looking for a purpose in life, a mission in life, and when you click on al videos, that's exactly what he's telling you. He's talking to you, saying that this can be your mission. You can be a great person. And I think that's very seductive. Warsami was also instrumental in helping two friends, Yusuf Jama and Abdi Noor, both from Minneapolis, to leave the country to join ISIS. Both are believed to have died fighting for the terrorist group.
1: All right, so uh, we're going to watch a little more in a second here. But... Uh... What hit me is that this kid really wanted to make a difference. That's why he went to, to Syria. That's why he became a, a ISIS leader. Is because he believed that the world needed to be changed, and he wanted to change it. And what, what sin is, is sin takes something that is a good, God-given desire that we have, and it twists it and distorts it and takes it in a bad direction. Uh, many of the men here were at our... We had our midweek uh, service for the men on Wednesday night, and, and the whole... Uh, time we talked about pornography and, and the, the appeal of pornography, and the reason pornography is so strong is that it appeals to something that's within a man that's good and right, that we desire intimacy, and we desire, uh, we desire sexual fulfillment, gratification, but we desire intimacy, and, and, and pornography exploits that, and it, and it twists it and, it, and it messes up our brains, and it, it has damaging effects that last a lifetime. But, but it's a similar thing with this, is that this kid really has a, a God-given desire to change the world, but he's led astray by this false teaching, and this is happening to hundreds of thousands of people in our world right now. But the thing that I, that, that I want us to think about is that God puts something within each one of us to want to change the world, but, but who are we going to listen to? Uh, that guy spent so much time watching those videos of that man that led him astray, and so what will we do with that desire to change the world? There is a war of ideologies going on in our world right now. We cannot keep silent. But this path that he chose, it didn't, it didn't answer the question. It didn't fulfill him, as he's going to mention here at the conclusion of this interview. I say it's not worth it. It's not worth your family going through all the pain and suffering just because you believe in something that is total nonsense. That doesn't make sense. It's not worth your life. So we're going to talk about what is worth your life. And uh, the two points, again, are consecration and impartation. So consecration, like I said, we don't really use that word much. So I'm going to call this point too legit to quit. <laughs> too legit to quit. Uh, how many of you guys remember that song? Okay, yeah. That was dur- when, w- during the, when MC Hammer was like battling with Michael Jackson for who's the greatest... And Michael Jackson, I think, won out over time. But uh, at that time, it was like, oh, I don't know. Could be Michael Jackson. Could be MC Hammer. I'm not sure. And he came out with that song, Too Legit to Quit. But, uh, but, but the idea is that Jesus wants followers who are, are going all the way, who are sold out, who are from inside out. Who are, it's not, uh, being a disciple of Jesus is not something you add to your schedule. It's who you are. And we're going to look at three verses for each of these uh, ideas, consecration and impartation. So first, let's look at Luke 9, if you would. Luke 9, 22. I'll put it on the screen, but I invite you to turn there as well and read along with me. It's a little small. It says, And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then He said to them all, whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow Me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for Me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of Me and My words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels." This idea of being a disciple, you'll hear us, if you're kind of new to the group, but you'll hear us throw that term around a lot, and that's because that's the term the Bible uses for a Christian. The word Christian isn't in the Bible much at all, but the word disciple is in there a lot. And disciple means a student, a follower, a learner. And, and so we believe in being disciples of Jesus. The verse that Mark read last week said, at the end of Jesus' ministry, he said, I want you now, I made you disciples, Now I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to change the world, spread this teaching and make disciples. And so Jesus is saying here what that means to be a disciple. What does it mean to be a follower? He says, you can't be a disciple unless you're going to daily carry your cross, unless you're daily going to deny yourself. He's asking for consecration. He's asking for legitimacy, not just, uh, okay, I accept you, Jesus. Okay, I believe in you, Jesus, but this is going to affect my daily life. You see the difference? And that's not popular in American Christianity today. I think a lot of good-meaning religious people want as many people as possible to make it to heaven, and so they want to water down Jesus' teachings. Kind of like, if I can just get you to sort of mentally think for a minute that you believe in Jesus, oh good, I saved you. And that's not at all what you see in the Bible. Here Jesus is saying, you can't, he's trying to run people off in a way. You can't follow me unless you're going all the way to the cross. What would that have meant to a first-century person. They had no idea he was going to raise from the dead. They had no idea what the cross was going to mean. To them, the cross was the most horrific way to die. The, the, their, their view of it, their feeling of it, it was, would be kind of like how, Ameri- how we feel about lynching. Like it's this horrible, you'd say the word lynch and you just, oh, right? That's, that's, that was crucifixion. We're going to stick somebody up on a tree as a public display until they die. It was this whole, and he's saying, I'm going all, I have to go to the cross. And if you want to be my disciple, you got to go to the cross too, every day. Yeah. Whoa, that's a, that's a hard teaching, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I got to, I got to share, you know, as a, as a person who's been around a long time, this is good for me. This is challenging for me. This is humbling for me. I got to be legit. I got to every day be putting my faith into practice i got to every day be walking the walk. It doesn't mean perfection. I don't think Jesus ever demanded perfection. In fact, you look at his followers. They messed up all the time. <laughs> yeah. But what he expected was loyalty. What he expected was devotion. He wanted them to join the team, and it was really clear what it meant to join the team. And he says, the thing is, is if you, let's say, okay, over here you have denying yourself, carrying you're going to deny yourself daily. That's, that's my way. Over here you have, I'm going to give in to self daily. I'm going to follow self. I'm going to go with whatever myself wants every day. Which one is going to bring about world change? Which one is even going to make you feel fulfilled? For example, let's say that you just try an experiment this week. And you say, okay, on Tuesday is going to be deny myself day. And all day I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to do things for others. I'm going to look for opportunities to serve others. I'm going to try to do nothing for myself all day Tuesday." And then let's say Wednesday, actually we should make it Thursday because that's Thanksgiving. No, (laughs) Thursday is going to be self day and I'm going to watch as many movies as I want to watch. Anything I just feel like doing, I don't care if it's sinful, whatever, I'm just going to, just me day. It's just going to be me, me, me all day long. Just movies, I got my food picked out, whatever. You know, how are you going to feel at the end of Tuesday and how are you going to feel at the end of Thursday? Uh, You're going to feel super fulfilled and inspired. Here you're going to feel like, ugh. I'm depressed, right? We even know this, and yet we still try to follow self, don't we? And that's what Jesus is saying is a paradox. He says you could gain the whole world and still not be satisfied, because there's always something more. There's always, oh, if I just get this, or if I just get this, or if I just, just this, this, and you're always chasing something you're never going to catch. But he says, if you lose your life for me, you will find it. And so we've got to trust this message from the creator of the universe who's trying to communicate to us, saying, Jesus doesn't want to take something from you. He's not trying to impose on you this tough uh, life that no one could ever lead, and he doesn't want you to have any fun. Jesus wants your life to have impact. Jesus wants you to find your life. That's why he's telling you to lose it. Does that make sense? He wants what's best for us. It's a matter of us trusting him and being willing to be dedicated. He wants... His followers are supposed to be legit. Let's look at another verse, kind of similar uh, idea, Luke 14. Luke 14, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate it, father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such person cannot be my disciple, cannot be a Christian. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be a Christian. Can I be my disciple? This is challenging stuff. Jesus has a whole crowd. I mean, if it were me, I'd be feeling like, wow, we got a crowd. This is good. This is good, Jesus. Let's keep this crowd. What do they need? How can we fulfill these people? And there's times he fed them, and he, of course, healed their sick. And, but but he was, his, his goal to change the world was to, to kind of concentrate his followers to those who were legit, too legit to quit, consecrated, uh, holy. People who were going stick, to stick with it. And uh, so he, he, said, he uses some hyperbole here. You can't be my follower unless you hate all the people you love the most. Now, did he mean you're supposed to hate your mom? You know, should I call my mom, Mom, I hate you, and then hang up? <laughs> That's not at all what he had in mind. He was trying to make a point. He was trying to shock them a little bit. Like, I want you to, to be all the way. And he says, if you're going to build a tower, you're going to count the cost. Am I going to have enough money and enough material to build this tower? If you're a king and you're going to war against another king, you're going to go, okay, how many soldiers do I have? How many do they have? What's this going to look like? You're going to plan it out. You're going to count the cost. He says, you can't just follow me like on a whim. It's got to be, okay, what does this mean for my life? You've got to count the cost. And, because it means something to follow Jesus. It means something. It requires dedication. His, his followers are supposed to be legit, not posers. Nobody likes a poser. Not hypocrites. That's the reputation for Christians in our world today, isn't it? Yeah, sure. they, they say they're Christians, but their life is just sometimes worse, you know, than those that don't claim to be Christians. Uh, that's not what he called. That's not who he called. And he calls it a requirement. Uh, Jameson is doing a Tough mutter next spring, along with some of you guys. And uh, Dess and I were talking about this idea. If you don't know what a Tough mutter is, uh, Doug Arthur came and shared about it a few months back. And um this is it's 10 miles and 26 obstacles right is it 26 i think 26 21 20 anyway it's a lot of obstacles (laughs) and these are challenging obstacles you know climbing over things digging under you know swimming through things you know the last one you run through these wires that are hanging down that shock you as you run through. I mean, it's it's crazy. And that's not what we're talking about. I don't even want, we were like, I don't even want to walk 10 miles. You know, like if you were like, hey honey, let's walk to Long Beach. I'd be like, no, let's not walk to Long Beach. Let's take the car to Long Beach. Let's not walk to Ikea. You know, like, uh, I, but this is not just walking 10 miles. It's, it's going, you have all these obstacles on your 10-mile journey. Why do people, why in the world would anybody pay money to do that? <laughs> because there's something within us that we want to be a part of a team that does something tough. We want to be a part of a team that does something difficult. You know, if you ever join a team and, and, and you think it's going to be one way, it's going, to be, it's going to be really, you know, hardcore, and these guys are serious, and these are great players, and you join the team, and the coach, you know, you get there, and the coach is like, you know what, guys? You can show up whenever you want to, to practice and kind of do whatever you want. Uh, I'll just kind of pull it together at the end. You know, you would be like, what? I want my butt kicked. You know, I want this to be hard. I want us to win. that That's within each one of us, isn't it? If it's lame, it's just, ugh, why even do it? And that's what Jesus is talking about with Christianity. He's talking about it should be real. It should be... All the time. It shouldn't be something you just, uh, like a face, a, a facade, a mask you put on on Sunday. Oh, bless you, brother. Oh, bless you. <laughs> Peace be with you, and also with you. you know, it's supposed to be who you are, right? It's supposed to be the way that we live. And I'm telling you, that's the way to change the world, is to live like this. In your job, yeah. at your school. You think you might not be making a difference. I remember my old job, before I was in the ministry, I worked an office job and. This manager called me into her office one time, and uh, you know I'd been working there about three years. She calls me into her office. I'm like, oh, I've never really interacted with this manager. I wonder what she's calling me into her office for. She calls me, and she says, I was thinking of getting a Bible, and I wanted your advice. Which trans- There's all these translations. Which translation should I get? I had never talked to her about God or church or anything. I was like, why is she calling me? Because... You know, when you live a certain way, when you don't cuss, when you don't go along with dirty jokes, when, you, when you're striving to, to serve others, when you just try to live like Jesus in your daily life, that makes impact. Right. So she knew who to ask for the Bible translation, not because I was you know, doing such a great job sharing my faith even. I'm just trying to live like a Christian in a daily life, and it makes an impact. We've got to refuse to give up, refuse to give in. One more verse on this idea of uh, consecration in John 6. Because we all know people who have quit, right? We all know people who've given up, and there's times you've probably felt like quitting. I know there's times I've felt like quitting. Or is this worth it? You know, why am I doing this? Uh, and and it's 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 a long distance race. The Bible says the the Christian life. It's it's compared to a marathon. It's a long distance race, and uh, and many will quit. You know, Jesus told the parable of this uh, of these different soils and where seed would 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 look like it's growing, but then the sun comes out and it gets scorched because times of testing came and it didn't make it. So we've all lost friends. We've all lost brothers along in this fight. And and that's going to happen. Look at uh, John 6, verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So that even happened to Jesus. People who were disciples, people who knew the commitment, people who were following him said, you know what, this is too tough. This is hard. I'm out of here. And the, the very, his chosen guys, the 12 apostles, he turns to them in verse 67. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter says, you are the one who came from God. You are God. When we see you, we see God. We we want to hear from God, and you're our representative to God. You are the only way. Where else will we go? So even though we don't understand what you're saying right now, even though we don't really get what you're talking about, eating your flesh and drinking your blood, that's what he was talking about at the time, you can't follow me unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he didn't really explain it. You know, I mean... If I was telling you that right now, you'd be like, that guy's weird. (laughs) But but Peter knew, he's like, this is our source. And so even though we don't understand what he's saying, I know this is the right place to be. And there's going to be times like that in your Christian walk where you feel like giving up, or you don't understand, or it seems too hard, and you just got to stick with it. God doesn't expect perfection. He doesn't expect you to never mess up. He just expects you to keep going. And that's what I like about the Tough Mudder. It's like, it's not about how fast you do it. It's not about, you know, it's just about everybody finishing yeah. together, working together. And that's exactly what the Christian life is like. We just all got to finish together. And, uh, and so that's why we're here. We believe God created the universe, spoke to us through his son. and We don't want to give up on him no matter how difficult it gets. Uh, we want to choose hope in darkness. We want to choose faith in the face of opposition. Uh, even when it gets tough, even when we suffer. I appreciate a couple weeks ago, one of the topics we did with this uh, outfit in the room was the topic of racism. And that was a tough one to talk about because there's so it goes so deep. And I uh, really appreciated uh, those on our panel who shared very vulnerably some of the, the personal stories that they'd had with combating racism. And, and they all did such a great job. And uh, they're such exemplar, uh, exemplary examples in our in our fellowship Calvin and Fidel and and, and, uh, and Ling but Ling shared uh, something that stuck with me that she uh, was experiencing she experienced racism in her neighborhood she was new in the neighborhood and these these guys were mocking her saying go back where you came from and and, and doing like stretching their eyes and saying you know disparaging things making fun of uh, that she was Chinese and uh, she responded you know how would you respond I mean I think in America there's a lot of stuff like that right now there's a lot of tension and I think people can respond in different ways they can either strike out on social media where it's kind of like safe and they can strike out and or they they maybe just hide you know the, the do the thing where you just sort of live in your own world and you know the the garage door goes up and you come out <laughs> and then you go back and the garage door closes nobody you don't really know your neighbors you just sort of hide out uh, that's what a lot of people in my neighborhood do but Ling decided, you know what I need to do is I want to go out and door knock my neighborhood. Because if people are racist, they must just not know me. And so I'm going to get another sister, and we're going to go knock doors, and I just want to meet my neighbors and, and so they can know the real me. What a spiritual way to respond to hardship. And, uh, and that's, that's what it means to be too legit to quit. We keep going in, even in the face of, of opposition. Okay, the second thing, Impartation impartation, since we don't use that word, I'm calling this spread the love. First point, too legit to quit. Second one, spread the love. Three verses here uh, quickly. Um, Matthew ten eight. Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. He's sending out his apostles now after he's trained them, invested in them. And he says this, freely you have received, freely give. Jesus was telling his followers, look, I've invested a lot in you. I've trained you. I've taught you. Now you need to take what you've been given and share that with others. You've received a lot. Now you need to pass it on. Uh, we can't be selfish with the gospel. You know, we've been given so much. And I just got to share uh, from a personal standpoint, this convicts me because I, I, I came to California as a missionary at the end of 1992, I was in college, and I was asked to move out here to help build this church, the L.A. Church of Christ, that then spread into all these neighborhoods where we are now. And, uh, you know, I really saw myself as a missionary back then. Uh, But now we've been here a long time, uh, 20-plus years, and it's easy to just get kind of comfortable. I've been in the same house for 13 years, and it's easy to just sort of, I'm in my neighborhood, I know the streets around me, I know the place, you know, and I I kind of lose the sense of missionary purpose. Do you know what I mean? And I mean, I'm, I'm serving God. I, I get with people. I love people. I have quiet times. I try to know God better. But I can lose that missionary mindset of, okay, I'm here to pass on what God's given me. I can't be selfish with the gospel. I was convicted about that. I have been given so much. And so I need to give. I need to give of what I've been given. I need to. One, one of the things in, in 2017, I really want to just study the Bible with more people. Like one-on-one getting the Bible open and just sharing about my life and, and, and reading the Bible with people. So that's, that's one my biggest uh, thing for 2017 is just being in more Bible studies. Uh, because I feel like I've gotten selfish with the gospel. I've gotten kind of selfish and, and comfortable. And I, I need to, there's nothing that reminds us more of what we've been given than when we help another sinner. You know, when we share our own sin, we see somebody else, we see somebody's eyes light up these verses that we've read so many times and we see them. Wow, that's amazing. The woman at the well story or, or, or some of these verses that some of you, you know, you've heard these verses a lot, but somebody that's new to them is like, what? Jesus said, hate your mom, what? You know, and it's just fun to kind of see somebody wake up to what the Bible really says. Uh, another verse here, and we all know this one, John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you are Christians, if you love one another. The context here was the Last Supper, Jesus' last time with his followers, and uh, the the gospel records that he uh, knelt down, put a towel around his waist, and washed each one of their feet. This was something that only the slaves would do. Uh, It was dirty, you know, they they wore sandals on dirt roads, and uh, it was a nasty thing, but he washed their feet. It was an object lesson that he was willing to humble himself for them in in, in their relationship. And he says, now that I've done this for you, you do this for others. You do this for each other. You need to have that kind of self-sacrificial love for each other. So this is the same uh, context where he says, this is how you're going to show the world your disciples by your love for each other. The relationships that you have for people, the way that you serve others, the way that you spread the love. This is the way that we're going to change the world. And uh, John, who wrote this, the Apostle John, he... His uh, initial nickname was Son of Thunder, James and John, the Sons of Thunder. They just wanted to make ruckus. Uh, At one point, they asked Jesus, hey, can we call down fire from heaven and destroy this town? Like, oh, good, we get to destroy people. We get to see explosions. We want to blow up a whole city, Jesus. And and yet he changed so much, he became known as the Apostle of Love. And if you read his epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you're like, okay, I get it, John. Love each other, love each other, love each other. Like it's over and over and over again. That is the, the defining characteristic of a Christian is the love that we have for each other. How can we show love to others during this holiday season? How will you step out on faith, on faith and make yourself known to the world? That, you know, Spread the love to your neighborhood. Spread the love to your job. Spread the love at your school. What will you do to serve others? over this holiday season it can be a little scary i think when you think about that like what am i going to do specifically i don't know i'm afraid you know and 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 the the last verse i want to look at is is something that encourages me and that's that it's not about us it's about the holy spirit working through us Um, john 14 jesus says you will do even greater things than i've been doing because i'm going to the father how will we do even greater things jesus because I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and He's going to be in you and be with you, and He's going to help you and guide you. He says, When the Advocate comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. You also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So He talks about a partnership between, with you and the Holy Spirit working together. If you're a disciple of Jesus, I want to speak to those who are followers of Jesus, and you've made that commitment, you have a responsibility to testify. And you can't shirk that responsibility. You can't kind of hide out in your shell like I was talking about. We've got to get out there as as uh, advocates, uh, as ambassadors for Christ. But the thing is, is we're not alone. We have each other. and And more importantly, we have the Holy Spirit with us. He's the one that does the work. So it's just a matter of keeping in step with Him. What does the Holy Spirit want to do? Can you imagine what God could do in our cities if each one of us is daily carrying our cross, daily living like a disciple, and we're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, looking to be used by Him every single day as a witness. Imagine what He can do if we really step out and do that. You know, the, the story of the early Christians in the book of Acts, it's not a story of people who were perfect. It's not a story of people who even knew what they were doing. But it's a, a story of people who were devoted to God and to each other and to prayer and who allowed the Holy Spirit to to use them. A lot of times it's kind of like, oh, they thought all oh, this persecution, with, it's going to ruin the church and yet it caused them to spread and so then you had the church in Antioch start and, and then now the gospel's going to non-Jews and you know these different things, uh, turning points in the book of Acts it was the Holy Spirit working even though the disciples didn't understand what was happening and so I believe God will do amazing things to us if we never quit, if we're too legit to quit and then if we just Speak up. We just Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we, we look for how is the Holy Spirit working through us. And a real practical way of allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you is, is a real simple thing. That is to have conversations with people. <laughs> Seems super easy, but it's hard. I am an introverted person by nature. How many of you guys enjoy meeting a stranger? So there's a few people. I, I mean, some people honestly, like Nicole, it's a great example. Some people honestly enjoy meeting strangers, enjoy talking to people, and they're really good at conversation. Nicole's a great example. Nicole always has like 17 women at Women's Day because she's just really good at conversation. Tisha her. Is, uh, T- Tisha her. she used to be Tisha. <laughs> just, it still comes out. Tisha Martin. She's really good at just conversation and talking to people. Uh, and so it's just a matter of, of, of being willing to step out. I, I saw this video. I wanted to share it with you. You know, this idea of Jesus wants what's really going to fulfill us anyway. This is a video about how really talking to people and making conversation, it actually makes life way more enjoyable anyway. We just don't believe it. And so uh, I'll have a couple of concluding remarks after this video.
0: The more we connect with people in our lives, the happier we are. But is this what we always assume? Are there times when you might actually avoid connecting to other people because you think it's going to make you less happy? Well imagine that you're taking the train to work, and a stranger sits down beside you. Do you think that you'll have a happier, more pleasant commute if you decide to work, read, or play a game on your phone by yourself, or if you decide to strike up a conversation with this stranger? Most people think that their commute will go more smoothly if they just keep to themselves and do their own thing. We tend to think that striking up a conversation is just going to waste time and we'll be frustrated that we gave up our precious time in order to small talk with a stranger. I know that I think that. In fact, this is actually what researchers found when they polled people at a big train station. When they asked a bunch of commuters, they found that these commuters tended to think that talking to a stranger would make the ride less pleasant than keeping to themselves. So are we right? Are we really better off sitting in solitude under these conditions? Well, not exactly. The same researchers designed an interesting experiment. They went up to a bunch of people in the train station and asked them if they'd participate in a simple study. If they agreed, they asked these commuters to ride the train that morning in one of three ways. Some people were asked to make a connection with a stranger on the train. Some people were asked to sit in solitude on the train. And the rest were told to ride the train as they always do everyone was given an envelope with a short survey inside that they were supposed to complete when they reached their destination the survey asked questions about how they were feeling and how pleasant their ride was and the commuters completed the survey and mailed it back to the researchers once they got off the train so does connecting with strangers really work First, let's look specifically at what this group of people was asked to do. Here were the exact instructions. Please have a conversation with a new person on the train today. Try to make a connection. Find out something interesting about him or her, and tell them something about you. The longer the conversation, the better. Your goal is to try to get to know your community neighbor this morning. Contrary to what people expected, These people on the train had significantly more positive experiences when they were asked to form a connection with a stranger on their commute that morning, compared to when they kept to themselves. Not only did talking to a stranger and striking up a conversation make them feel as though they had a more pleasant commute, but they also felt more happy overall. And importantly, they didn't feel like they were any less productive than the people who were keeping to themselves during their commute. The lesson here is to have what some people call social snacks. Form social connections during times when you otherwise might not. Get to know other people in the world, even if it won't turn into long-term friendships or relationships. By finding little moments to connect with people around you, even though you're not going to think it's going to matter, you may actually find yourself leading a happier, more positive life. All right,
1: so it's interesting. The goal of that video is not to change the world. The goal of that video is that you could be more happy. It's from a Psychology of Happiness video series. So this guy, all he's saying is you'll be happier if you make connections. You'll be happier if you talk to strangers. But how much more as followers of Jesus, who are striving to change the world and make it a better place... Will, will will God be able to, and his Holy Spirit be able to work through us if we just open ourselves up if we just have conversations throughout the week and look for opportunities for the Holy Spirit to work and so in a practical sense, I just want to inspire you to uh, have a conversation with your spouse if you're married about how can we get more outward with our marriage and our family how can we have people into our home how can we share our faith as a team more a household if you're in a singles household can you have a conversation as a household what can we do to reach out as a household what can we do to have people in our home over uh the holidays uh but make some decision that you're gonna uh, step out during this uh, holiday season to reach out to to have conversations to to get people into your home to, uh, to to share the spread the love that God has given us. Freely you've received, now freely give. We are to pass it on, uh, what he's given us. And uh, it, it'll make all the difference. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a, a worship midweek uh, with all of us together, our kids and our families. And uh, we were going to have the whole night be just singing songs. And we were trying to get uh, the sound system working and it would not work. Uh, there was something wrong with the the this digital routing and this uh, board and and we were having the hardest time we're, we're stuck we're like okay we're gonna have to cancel this mid what are we gonna do like the whole thing is not working and then ben hill showed up uh, uh, hallelujah <laughs> he gets on there and starts messing with the board and he fixed it and everything worked and we had a great awesome time somebody holly to said that's the best time of worship i had in like 15 years or something it, it might have been one of those things like uh it's always the greatest christmas tree you've ever had you know in your household but this is the best time of worship we've ever had in 15 years. But it was a really awesome time, but it was because Ben saved the day. And I share that because Ben wouldn't be here today if Lynn Jackson hadn't had a conversation with a teenage girl who was grooming her dog. Uh, how many years ago was that? Okay, she was pregnant with Gianna. So, you know, Lynn Jackson's having her dog groomed, has a conversation with his teenage girl, and then, you know... Next thing you know, Sasha becomes a disciple, and then you know, she and Ben were, were dating, and, but, but Sasha's pregnant, and it's complicated, and you know, Ben doesn't want to have anything to do with the church for a while, and then, but then Ben becomes a Christian, and he's, you know, and now their whole family's here. They're a central part of our family, but it's all because Lynn had that one conversation. So you just never know who the next Ben Hill is going to be you know, because of a conversation that you have today or tomorrow or over the holidays. God can do anything through us. Um, We're going to close with focusing in more on Jesus and what he did for us and our time of communion and remembering his body and his blood given for us. And we get to hear from uh, my dad, Larry Craig. And so uh, I'm so thankful for him. Nobody's had more spiritual impact on me than my parents and their example and their living like disciples. And uh, that's what really made me want to become a disciple as a a teenager. And so I'm really thankful for them and their leadership in our life. And uh, so we get to hear from dad uh, sharing communion today. So I'm going to turn it over to him right now.